Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. What a week we have in front of us. The play-ins followed by the playoffs. The NFL draft is around the corner. Baseball's in full swing. Two hours is not enough. Let's do this. Here we go. Go, go. Only one place to start. If he continues pain-free the way he has and progresses, listen, there's optimism around the Nets that they can get him back in the first round of their Eastern Conference playoff series if they advance out of the play-in. That was Woj yesterday delivering the news that could wind up changing absolutely everything in the NBA's postseason. Delighted you were here and delighted that my buddy Legler is good enough to stick around with the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Good morning again, Tim Legler. Good morning. Good to be on with you. Well, you heard you heard it there from Woj directly, and that is that there is increasing optimism. Those were the words that he used on Countdown with us yesterday that we will get um, something from Ben Simmons assuming the Nets get out of this week. And let me make clear for anyone who's not been following, the Nets will play Cleveland tomorrow night in Brooklyn. The winner of that game goes into the Eastern Conference playoffs as the seventh seed. The loser of that game will play the winner of the 9-10 game, which is Charlotte against Atlanta. That game will be on Friday. The winner of that game goes in as the eighth seed. So the Nets don't even know who they'd wind up getting. If, if they get into the playoffs, they could play Boston. They could wind up playing Miami. Th- those are the possibilities. I just want to set the table for everybody. With that said, if they get some contribution as they go forward from Ben Simmons, how does that change your view of the Eastern Conference? Well, I think it significantly makes them a more viable threat to actually make a run through the East and if you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on your team, I mean, that's really what we're talking about here. Can they legitimately contend for a title? I think it would be difficult without getting something out of Ben Simmons because he addresses two things they need. He, he, he creates offense for their role players, and he can guard anybody on the floor. And this is one of the most poorest defensive teams that you're going to see. And if you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you've, you've got a chance to outscore people every night, certainly. But more likely to do that in the regular season because in the postseason series – when one of those two teams you mentioned, Boston and Miami, two exceptional defensive teams, can hone in just on those two guys for seven straight games if, if over a two-week period, each game it could become more difficult for them to be as good offensively. So you have to figure out another way that you might have to win. Ben Simmons can do that for them. So if they get 15, 18, 20, 25 minutes out of Ben Simmons in that series, it makes them more of a threat as you go forward. All right, and and so it does bring up an interesting question, which is Simmons seems to fit like a hand in a glove, exactly what they need, right? And so it does, <clears throat> Stephen A has been making this point with me on Countdown over and over again, and the more I'm thinking about it here, the more he's right. The pressure on the Philadelphia 76ers to make it at minimum make a deep playoff run before the Nets do I think is enormous because they traded the Nets exactly what the Nets needed the Nets weakness with James Harden would remain their weakness with James Harden with Ben Simmons their weakness is significantly addressed so as we talk about all the pressure that exists on Harden and I think that's right if the Nets wind up making a really deep playoff run, if they get to the NBA Finals and Simmons plays a significant role in it, 
I think a lot of that will come back to the general manager, Daryl Morey, and the fact that he literally handed them on a silver platter exactly what they needed. And the sound you will be hearing loudly all over the country is the sound of a lot of people throwing up on the Ben Franklin Bridge <laughs> into the Delaware River, okay, in Philadelphia. <laughs> if that were to happen, if Ben Simmons ends up making a sizable contribution at any point, but certainly this year when it looked like, you know, we aren't going to hear from Ben Simmons. Um, if anything, the Philadelphia fans would like to see Ben Simmons make an appearance in Philly this postseason. That doesn't look that likely, but look, you're 100% right. And look, that aside, Greeny, about how Ben Simmons plays, the pressure on James Harden is so much greater than any other individual player in this postseason. You really couldn't even come up with another name to make that a debate when you ask about who's got the pressure on them. If I had to pick a second guy, I might say Jimmy Butler. But James Harden is miles ahead of anybody else in terms of under the microscope, all eyes on him because he's had some moments and important moments in the postseason already when he was more in his prime, when he was more explosive as a scorer, where he didn't play well and they needed him to in Houston. Now you're talking, and even last year dealing with that hamstring in Brooklyn, now you're talking about a team in Philly hasn't won this thing in almost 40 years. They gave up a guy that was a number one pick overall in the draft that tortured them for most of a season a guy that, that you were really bad for years to get, who's a two-time All-Star, and now he's going to maybe help Brooklyn make a deeper playoff run than you if you can't get past the Toronto Raptors and James Harden struggles. So for me, that is absolutely where most of the attention in the first round is going to go. League-wide is on that series, Philly and Toronto, and particularly how James Harden plays. Greeny and Legs with you here presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial insurance protects small businesses with affordable coverage options. Quote today at ProgressiveCommercial.com. And I don't know that there is a way this could be working out worse for the Sixers than it is. Let's just count the ways. Number one, Ben Simmons might come back and help Brooklyn make a deep playoff run. Number two, James Harden has not been playing well. And number three, they wind up the team that gets Toronto in the first round. And I want to make sure everyone waking up with us this morning is aware of this. Matisse Thibel, who's a very important player on their, arguably their third best player, right? After after Embiid and Harden. He's, Certainly he's, in terms of impacts because of his defensive capability, yes. And if he's making a couple of threes, that's just a bonus. His ability to guard. I mean, he guards the elite scorers in this league as well as anybody on the perimeter. He's a very good player. He is not fully vaccinated. To be clear, he is, I don't know that you can be partially vaccinated. He got one <laughs> shot of the Pfizer last year during the playoffs. Has chosen, this is his personal decision, not to have the second. As a consequence, he is not considered by the Canadian government to be fully vaccinated, and thus he is not eligible to play in games three, four, and if necessary, six of a first-round series in Toronto. How much does that impact Philly's chances of getting out of the first round? This is so interesting because you remember a couple weeks ago they asked teams in Boston and Philly both declined to answer right. if their entire roster was vaccinated. And at that time, I thought that was kind of odd. You know, so I started reaching out to some people that are close to the team and it's like, first answer was, no, no, we're all good. All our guys are good. And then you started to find out that wasn't the case, that it was stable. And what's interesting about this is if you had looked at this a month ago and looked at standings, he said, well, there's no way Philly's going to end up with Toronto. It just didn't look possible. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia, 
And look, those teams were razor thin, the difference at the top. It could have been one through four a week ago. We didn't know how this was going to play out. That's right. But you could clearly see as Toronto started to win, and they went 13-4 and four in their last 17 games, that, wait a second, this is an actual possibility here. Our worst-case scenario, we get that team who beat them three out of four times, by the way, in the regular season, and they don't fear Philly at all. They, they really feel like they match up well with MC Ackham doesn't have an answer now, especially with Thibault not on the court. So you already have a team playing hot. And now, in addition, you're the team that does, that has that one key guy that's not going to be able to play road games in that series. It is absolutely worst-case scenario for Philly. Greeny and legs, and let's make this straight talk then, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The defending champion Bucks go in, um, and they draw the team. And it, it pains me to say this because of my Chicago history, but they draw the team that, Everyone over the last few weeks was saying, that's who we want to play. Everyone wants to play the Bulls who've fallen back. Do you see any way that is um, a competitive series? I mean, do, do you think the Bulls make that one uh, interesting? Typically, when I start looking at first-round series, I usually want to go, you know, six games, you know, because it covers you that way. Right. If it is a longer series, you sounded like you knew that it was going to be. Right. right. You don't want to go out oh, four or five games. That's the one series I'm looking at and saying five. That's a five-game series. And, and when you say, I know you guys. When you say five, it's because you think it's going to be a sweep. Could be. And you just don't want to say that out it loud. It could be. You're, right. You know, the Bulls, you're like, okay, you know, they got to win basically game three to make it a five-game series. Right. You know, if they get to three, it's going to be a sweep. That's kind of how it goes. Milwaukee right now, like, they got everything in order at the right time. Getting Brooke Lopez back when they did, such an important player for them with his shooting and his rim protection. Connaughton came back in enough time. He's playing very well. And then the three stars are healthy. This is a team that now knows they can get it across the finish line. They had doubts going in even to last year's postseason because of the previous two postseasons when they did not play well, got eliminated by Toronto, got eliminated by the Heat. A lot of that due to Giannis's issues offensively, not being able to make free throws, not staying healthy in the Miami series. Well, he answered all of that last year. So now this team knows they can handle pressure moments. Giannis knows he can be a finesse player just enough when he needs to make a mid-range. He's got a turnaround jumper in the post now that he's worked on that he's added to his game to go to. And he's capable of making free throws in important moments. So stars are healthy. Role players are back. They're whole. They're defending champs. They're playing well at the right time. That looks like a five-game series. Everybody that I've asked this question to over the last two weeks has picked Milwaukee as the team to beat in the East. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. I want to ask you one other question. Um, with the NBA's regular season now behind us, I, I wasn't here a couple of days last week. So Adam Silver, the NBA's commissioner, said last Wednesday that his biggest concern or a big concern for him moving forward is, quote, a trend of star players not participating in a full complement of games and that he hopes the league and the NBA Players Association can address it. Um, this is something I have talked enormously about. It frustrates me no end. This is a sport that I grew up loving as a ticket-buying young person with my dad taking me to games when I was a little kid. And the idea that there are little kids going to these games and not seeing fully healthy stars, um, and, and it bothers me in a, in, a, in a very deep place. Is there anything Silver can do? Is there anything that is going to change what I think is a very disturbing trend? I couldn't have articulated what you just said any better in terms of my feelings about this as well. And I went to a game earlier this year. John Morant came in to Philly, mm -hmm. really wanted to go see John Morant. I was so excited for the game. Worried, you know, oh, God, is this going to be the night Ja takes off? He didn't. And B did. 
Now, if anybody needed a night off, it was probably him. I think he had played 20-something straight games at that point. But you go to the game, and the reason it was so impactful to me, Green, I'm sitting there, and I'm looking around. There had to be at least 10 kids in my section alone under the age of 10 wearing Joel Embiid jerseys. And who knows what that family spent on those tickets to come to that game. They targeted that game, who knows how many months out, to buy those tickets. Good seats, very expensive. You go, I don't even know if Joel Embiid came out of the locker room that night to even where a dad can say to his kid, hey, there he is, you know, even though he's in street clothes. There he is, buddy, look. He, he didn't even come out. And I, I remember thinking that how painful that was to me. So when Adam Silver said that the other day, and I've been also railing about this for the last few years, I shouted hallelujah at the top of my lungs. It has to be addressed because the regular season has been greatly diminished because of the number of high-quality, marquee impact games where you have guys sitting. What does that mean to sponsorships? What does that mean to networks that cover the games? What does that mean for fan interest? It's When you don't know on a given night who's about to suit up, there's something wrong with the product when we're talking about healthy players. And I'm glad Adam Silver said it. I don't know what the answer is necessarily because for me, a lot of it is just personal pride and players caring more about what the fans are getting and worried about that family that's coming to the game to see them play and taking the responsibility seriously to deliver for those fans. Until you get that return of that mentality, I don't know what you can do as far as the players go or what kind of things you can put down in the league. One thing I did think was funny Adam Silver said, we're going to figure out a way to incentivize them to play more. I thought that's what a contract did. Yeah. It, it, but, it, you know, so, so for me, hearing him say it was the first step forward. I was very, very happy to hear someone with the league finally say, we have a problem and we need to address this. This has to change. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you said that. And I will th – there are very few hills I will completely die on, but this is one that I will – uh, absolutely, no one will ever convince me that it is okay that NBA players don't play every game. Our legs, I got to run. Thank you, as always. We got, got a lot it. to do this week oh, yeah. as we head into these playoffs. Hey, you know the job search can be a long, frustrating journey. That's why ZipRecruiter's AI does so much of the work for you. They send you jobs you can apply to with one click. They pitch your profile to employers. Sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com. Coming up next, I will explain how one lucky break can change absolutely everything. That's next. My name's Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny, as we roll along with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. In just a moment, I will explain how one lucky break in life can sometimes change absolutely everything. That's in 30 seconds after this word from ZipRecruiter. According to research, 90% of employers plan to make enhancing the employee experience a top priority in 2022. After all, a happy workplace, like one that allows for a flexible schedule and focuses on company culture, is key to attracting and keeping great employees. And if you need to add more employees to your team, there's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds the right candidates for your job and proactively presents them to you. You can easily review these candidates, invite your top choices to apply. Try it free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny at ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. And with that, we uh, welcome in the assembled members of the hashtag crew who are with us today. Hashtag Nuno is with us today and hashtag Hambo. I hope you guys had a good weekend. Um, I'm going to give you a quick thought on the Masters here before I dive into a few other things. And I don't know if this applies to everything. But sometimes in life, one lucky break can change everything. Certainly in golf, it can. So if you were watching the final round of the Masters yesterday, and I never, it, golf is a sport where I never root against anyone. It's just something, I think, if you play that game, you never root for a guy to hit a bad shot or miss a putt. I just never do. But I certainly want to see a competitive final round. I don't want the final round of the Masters to be a coronation. So I'm rooting like crazy for Cam Smith to make a run at Scotty Scheffler at the beginning of the day yesterday and, and make the day exciting. And then maybe someone to come roaring up from behind as Rory McIlroy did shooting a, a remarkable 64, but it was much too little too late. But anyway, I'm on the set. I'm doing NBA Countdown at the beginning of the Masters comes on TV here. I'm on doing NBA Countdown. So we're on from 3 to 3.30 New York time yesterday. At 3.31, I'm going to sit in my office and watch, just sit and watch the Masters. But from 3 to 3.30, I missed the moment where everything changed. So if you saw it yesterday, it starts. Cam Smith birdies the first two holes. Scheffler is in some trouble. Like, Scheffler is on the ropes. Now it's a one-shot lead. There's going to be a lot of pressure. And he hits a bad shot off the third tee. He puts himself back in position, but he's off the green on the par four third. And then the moment happened that changed his life forever. He hits a routine chip up onto the third green. That was not a brilliant shot. That hits the stick going much too fast. If that ball doesn't go in, if that ball is six inches to the left or to the right, that ball is going to go far enough past the hole that he is very likely, he's going to have a tester at minimum coming back. He could easily wind up giving up, given up his entire lead in the first three holes yesterday. And that's going to absolutely redefine the day, psychologically for Smith and for Scheffler, and who knows who else behind them. But what happens? A shot that he himself acknowledges is lucky, and that's all that is, is luck. I mean, it's a well-hit shot. I'm not diminishing it. But you've seen a lot. Phil Mickelson has hit a million shots like that that you say, oh, yeah, he hit that intending for it to go in. That was not, this was not that. And instead, the ball hits the, the flagstick center cut and falls in, and it's over. 
Smith is so thrown off by the entire thing right there. He bogeys the hole, and it was a coronation from that moment forward. I don't care that he birdied 11 and all that. Scotty Scheffler was not going to lose the Masters after that shot. That one moment changed everything. So congratulations to him and good for him. 25-year-old kid, seems like a great kid. He's won four events in his career now. All of them have come since Super Bowl Sunday. That's where it began. So he's won four events in the last, whatever it is, eight weeks. So a remarkable performance for him. He was by far the best player in the field this week. He is by far right this minute the best player in the world. So congratulations to him. The other thing I'll say about the Masters was I think it can only be described as an enormous win for Tiger Woods. I know that it was rough to watch him the last two days, but I'm going to make this statement right now. Nuno, I want you to mark the tape. Tiger Woods will win the Masters again in his life. I saw enough game in him. I think he's going to get better from here, not worse. And his knowledge of that course, his understanding of how to play that course is unparalleled. There's no one in the sport who has it right now. If he's ever going to win an event again, it's going to be on, I believe his that golf course gives him the best chance to do it. I know it's not flat, and I know that walk winds up hurting him, but I think that is less a factor than his extraordinary knowledge of how to play there and how to win there. I saw enough in his hands, enough in his game. This is a guy who hadn't played an event in 17 months and came out and shot 71 on Thursday. I believe he will win one more major in his career, and it will be the Masters. I think he's got about an eight-year window to do it in. Agree or disagree, Hembo? I, I disagree with it just because of the odds. What surprised me, well, first of all, I was surprised that he made the cut. I was a cynic that did not think that he could. So I no, was proven That's because you were, didn't listen to me when I talked last week. And I told you, if he plays Thursday, it's going to be because he believes that he can win the event and that he would play over the weekend. And he played like it the first two days. I was likewise surprised, though, when he made the cut, that he just putted as badly as he did. He, he hit 36 putts on Saturday. Yeah. I would have assumed or figured that given all of his uh, issues lately that that part of his game would have been the sharpest but mm -hmm. just because it was the most easy to practice so but, but you know but who knows you know what you know the residual effects were that's just the one takeaway that I had I was surprised he made the cut and then was was surprised how badly he putted the last two days you know he putted so well the first two days because he missed a lot of greens Thursday and Friday and got up and down from everywhere. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on the Masters today because we have a million other things to get to. But that, those two were my primary takeaways. Nuno, give me one take on the Masters and I'll go forward. No, I agree with you. I, I think the weekend was made because, and it you know, sucks for Schaefer or Schiffler or whatever his name is. Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Is because it was all about Tiger. But Tiger... What this week weekend solidified is Tiger brings in the people that are that don't watch golf. Is you still checked it even if he you knew he was struggling. So I like the fact that Tiger was out there. He was giving it his best, and we won't see him in every tournament. He's gonna pick and choose, like he said after yesterday, and that's gonna be the beauty of it. Yeah, look, I, I think there was more interest. Did you just tell me? I believe there was infinitely more interest in the Masters. Friday, when we had it in the afternoon and Tiger was playing and was in it, than there was yesterday. I, I, that, that's, I, mean, you know, I don't know what the numbers will show. Friday is round two and it's on ESPN. Yesterday is the traditional Sunday and it's on CBS. But I think just in terms of general interest, 
I think more people were into it on Friday. Yeah, I saw ESPN PR put out a tweet demonstrating exactly what you're saying. The ratings on Plus were way up, obviously directly because of Tiger. Yeah, and, and then we had the actual coverage, and he played in the afternoon. So basically his entire round, most of his round was on ESPN television on Friday afternoon. All right, 303 Products has your number with a full line of premium protectants and cleaners. They have everything you need to keep your car looking new longer. All right, I promised you I was going to do this, and, and so I'm going to do it now, and then we will get to some baseball a little bit later because I went longer than I meant to. But this year, um, as uh, the host, very proudly, of NBA Countdown, for the very first time, I am an NBA Awards voter, and I told you I was going to take this extremely seriously, which I did. I agonized over this. I talked to everyone I could think of over this, including Hembo and the Hembo of the NBA show, which is a guy named Matt Williams, um, who had to put up with me FaceTiming him five times the other night <laughs> as I was trying to put my ballot together. And I, I, the ballots are due tonight. I have submitted my ballot. So I'm going to tell you right now who I voted for. I told you I would. There's no secrets here. I think all the ballots eventually get released anyway. But I'm not keeping any secrets from anybody here. I'm going to take you through my ballot right now on who I voted for. So let's start with, I'm not going to say the lesser rewards, but certainly the ones that people are a little less uh, probably focused on. Most improved player, I voted for Darius Garland. Um, I, I thought he had just a sensational season. I think people have forgotten just how good that team was when everyone was healthy. They had some injuries. They would not have been in the play-in. That, that's a team that I think had everything, had they stayed healthy, they would have made a run at getting a top-four seed in the Eastern Conference, and Garland was magnificent. I strongly considered John Morant. If you look at the jump that Morant had from last year to this year, it actually does meet the criteria of most improved. But the further I thought about it, I thought, that's just not what this award is meant to be. Like, this is not meant to be a superstar who just got better. It's meant to be a player who really emerged. I, th that's how I interpreted the meaning of most improved. So they ask you for a first, second, and third pick. I picked Darius Garland 1, Desmond Bain which is Morant's teammate in Memphis 2, and DeJounte Murray 3. Hembo, any issue with that pick? None at all. Darius Garland had a ridiculous season, averaging 22-9 and nine for a team that was top four for most of it. I'm with you. He took a he, he jumped a tier, and that's why I, I sort of like your thinking. There. Nuno is my VP of basketball. You have an issue with that pick? No, nope, you're good. Okay, fair enough. Next is defensive player of the year. This one I had a very hard time with because my initial inclination was to vote for Marcus Smart. I think that he is the most infuriating defender, and those tend to be the best defenders. But the more time I spent talking to a lot of the guys who understand the sport better than I do, the players themselves, uh, the former guys that we have working here and coaches, and those that I called on the phone, they explained to me that there is an element of team defense that is involved there, that the Celtics team defensive philosophy plays heavily into that, and that the numbers, and I looked at them closely, actually trended towards Michael Bridges in, uh, in, in Phoenix. Mm. And he also played 82 games this year, Bridges did, and I wanted to reward him for that. He guards every position on the floor. He, I think you could make an argument that this year he was actually the MVP of that team if you really look at them. And that's a team that has Devin Booker and Chris Paul on it. So I decided to give it to Bridges. He is my defensive player of the year. So Mikael Bridges is one. Marcus Smart is two. Bam Adebayo is three. Nuno, how do you feel about that? 
It's slightly different. I mean, I might have gone smart. Bam missed way too many games to actually win the award because if he, you know, he missed 30 games, if he actually plays, you know, only misses 15 or something, 10, I think he can win. He... Same with Draymond Green. That, yeah, that was the exactly. thing. Draymond Green could have won that award also, but he also missed far too many games for me to consider him for it seriously. Mikael Bridges got my vote. Hembo, you got an issue. I love it. I love you rewarding the player durability. I, I looked this up this morning. I looked at all 20-point-per-game scores in the NBA this season. They shot 36% when Mikael Bridges was their primary defender. The lowest mark by any defender in the NBA. I think you got this totally right. Yeah, so, so I will tell you right now. The numbers, the analytics, which I like to use, they are, to quote a great man, they're not the be-all, end-all, but they tell a story. The analytics overwhelmingly favored Mikael Bridges. Mm-hmm. He had a magnificent defensive season, so he was my pick there. Rookie, uh, the sixth man of the year was too easy. Tyler Hero is that. He's going to be unanimous. There was no one else to even consider. Rookie of the year, I hope Jalen's not listening because I put Cade Cunningham third, and, and, and he had a, a really good number. He had really good numbers. He had a very good year. It's not his fault. His team is terrible, but his team is terrible, and so the numbers he put up are a little emptier because they were done for the most part in meaningless circumstances than the two guys that I was choosing between, which are Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley, and I ultimately put them in that order. Scotty Barnes had a terrific year in Toronto. He emerged as a really important piece of that team. And I wound up at the last minute changing my pick. I was leaning towards Mobley, who was also a very important player. And early this season, I think, would have been the easy winner of this. But he missed time, and we saw Barnes come in and come on strong. And so in the end, I went Barnes, Scotty Barnes as my rookie of the year, followed by Mobley and Cade Cunningham. Thoughts? I don't love your logic because you're penalizing Cade Cunningham for, his, for being a product of his circumstances. But I do think that it is fair to reward Scotty Barnes for being a, a rookie who averages 35 minutes on a team that wound up being the five seed. There's a lot of value in that, too. And if you watch him play, obviously he's a total freak. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's what I, 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 I thought to myself, am I trying to pick the most valuable rookie? Mm-hmm. Th- that's sort of the way I analyze the award. If it was the most outstanding player award, and, and they don't describe it for you, it's just the rookie of the year. You can define it any way you want. Mm. But I thought I'm going to pick the rookie who I think was the most valuable to his team. And if Cade Cunningham had just blown him away, then maybe I would have. But the numbers aren't all that different. I mean, Scotty Barnes had a really good year, and so did Mobley. So those are the votes that I gave. Let me pause briefly on that. I will give you my MVP and my thinking, my coach of the year, and my first team All-NBA as we continue in just a moment here. Plus, i got to get to all the baseball. Uh, There's a million things that we need to do today, and we will as we roll on after this word from Granger. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is here for you, and they're always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry along with 24-7 support, experienced staff, and curbside pickup at over 250 local branches. You can get free access to product specialists ready to help you track down hard-to-find items. Plus, Granger's commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop on by. We're back in a flash. This is ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny rolling along with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Just joining us here, I, I'm running through my postseason awards ballot for the first time ever. I was an NBA awards voter, and I told you that I would, A, take this very seriously, and B, that I would share my ballot with you. The season is over. I submitted it. Um, their ballots are due tonight, I think midnight. Mine is in, and I'm going through my awards just to catch you up on what you've missed. Uh, I gave Darius Garland my vote for most improved player. I gave Mikael Bridges of the Suns my vote for Defensive Player of the Year, Tyler Hero, Sixth Man of the Year, and my Rookie of the Year, Scotty Barnes of the Raptors. And, Hembo, you found a stat that proves I was right. Scotty Barnes, Greeny, is the first rookie to average 35 minutes a game on a top-five seed in either conference since Tim Duncan in 1998. Mm -hmm. That's how good and impactful he's been. He's been great. He's been great. And, and again, I, 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 Evan Mobley and, and Cade Cunningham were the other two serious considerations there. And Cunningham has been great. But I did. I went with sort of the valuable piece of that because he's just pl- he's putting up numbers on a really good team. And a Raptors team that should scare you to death right now, by the way, uh, Hembo, and all of your Philadelphia brethren. And we'll dive into that a little more as we go. I want to go through the rest of my awards. Coach of the year. This was a tough one. Because when I first sat down to do it, they make you fill out like the, your top three picks, and they do it with a drop-down menu. So the first thing I did was I put Monty Williams at the top at number one. Be- and, and the reason I did that was because I always felt Phil Jackson didn't get enough credit when I covered those Bulls teams for being a great coach, that people just looked at his talent and said, oh, he's got the best players you know, and, and the one, I mean, I think he had to win like 72 games for them to get the coach of the year award. How many times did he win coach of the year? I, wa- I want to say once, twice max. And he was the best coach and there wasn't any question about it, but it's a narrative award. So I was going to say the Suns have been the best team from the beginning. They have one of the best road records of all time. Um, they've gone through a variety of injuries. I'm going to give Monty Williams my vote. And you're telling me Phil won it once. Just the year they won 72 games. So that's my thinking. But then I started really thinking about what they did in Memphis. And the, the Grizzlies are one of the, not only one of the great surprise teams of all time, but their record without John Morant is ridiculous. Were they 20 and four this year that without John? Right. I'll double check. For I you. think that's where it wound up. Um, and I just decided if you're going to lose your best player and still be one of the top two or three best teams in the NBA when no one saw it coming. That's an outstanding job of coaching. And so in the end, I wound up changing it. And I gave Taylor Jenkins my vote as the, the coach of the year this year from the Memphis Grizzlies. That's who got my vote. 
They went 20 and 5. 20 and 5. All right, so 20 and 5 without job this year, which is insane. I mean, they won four out of every five games. They won 80% of their games without their best player. Who does that? So I felt he was deserving of it. Uh, and then it was, okay, so let me tell you about my all-NBA first team. So all-NBA first team was a challenge because you have two centers. You have Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. The, and both of them are pure centers. The ballot allowed me to put Embiid on as a forward if I wanted to. So I thought that's a crossroads because he's not a forward. So if you're going to put Embiid on the first team as a forward, it means someone is going to get left off that deserves it because I have to put a third team center on that doesn't otherwise deserve mm. it. I could have easily put, let's just say if I did it in this order, Jokic is my first team center, Embiid my second team center, and Carl Anthony Towns is my third team center. By putting Embiid in, that means that I had to put another center on the third team that otherwise would not have made it, and that means someone gets left off that team. So that was my, that was my dichotomy. In the end, I decided I felt Joel Embiid had a season that was worthy of being first-team All-NBA. And even though it isn't his position, I did put him in as a forward. So my first-team All-NBA is Giannis and Embiid with Jokic, Luka Doncic, and Devin Booker. That's my first-team All-NBA. I'll run through the second and third teams quickly. Second-team, DeMar DeRozan. Jason Tatum are my forwards. I made DeRozan a forward, even though he's not really one, because uh, it was more convenient. He was listed as both. Carl Anthony Towns is my center. John Morant and Chris Paul are the guards on my second team. My third team is like a pipeline to the Hall of Fame. Third team All-NBA. The forwards are LeBron James and Kevin Durant. The backcourt is Steph Curry and Trey Young, and then Rudy Gobert is the center. And, and so that is my, those are my first, second, and third all-NBA teams. And then finally, the big one, of course, is MVP. I will tell you that up until the last minute, I had Giannis at number one. And I got my mind changed, and I ultimately voted for Jokic. Mm. Nikola Jokic's numbers, and, and I don't like to put everything on numbers, but the separation of his team's season like, all this time I kept thinking, well, the East is better than the West. No, it's not, actually. Go look at the where these records wound up. The East is not better than the West. And Nikola Jokic played the entire season without their next best player. Jamal Murray did not play a second this year. And without him, he got them in as a sixth seed, and their record is practically as good as Milwaukee's and Philly's. And his numbers are historically great. I could not overlook how historically epic the season that Nikola Jokic had from an analytic standpoint. His statistics were off the charts. And so in the end, I gave Jokic my vote for MVP. I have never agonized over any decision I've ever made in sports to the degree that I did that. Hembo reaction. I like it. Look, Joel Embiid complained a couple weeks ago that there's some sort of built-in Philly bias or something. Because he could tell that he was losing the award, right? Yeah, yeah. There is no question, in my judgment at least, that Jokic is the most deserving, and I'm a numbers person, but the primary reason why I think so is because if you just happen to look at how his team performs when he's on the court versus off the court, they go from being the best team in the NBA to the worst team in the NBA. I think that's probably the most compelling argument any player can make. No, no. They're the most valuable. Who gets your vote, MVP? Uh, the nerds get it right this time. It is Jokic. Really? This is why people shake nerds. <laughs> Attaboy. 
I'm surprised to hear you say that. I would not have thought that. Well, I just think based upon what he's done for that team uh, that he deserves it. And the numbers, he, we have never seen anyone put those type of numbers up. And I just feel like he deserves it. Um, and you could, you know, and Giannis finishes second, unfortunately, I think, in 10 seconds, that Embiid gets hurt because <laughs> of Harden. So that that is my ballot. I told you that I would tell you everything I did and my thinking behind it. It was a privilege to be a voter. We continue in a moment on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Plus. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.